This is the Jesus Habit Podcast, where we're using scripture and science to make your new nature in Christ second nature. Episode 21 for Wednesday, October 2nd, 2019. Big idea. To become someone whose actions line up with faith in Jesus' calling, I need to be with comrades who echo the same calling. A weekly identity statement, I intentionally surround myself with and daily encourage comrades in the calling. And our memory verse, Therefore, since we have a high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Hebrews 4, 14-16 Today's passage starts to make the contrast between Jesus and the priests, ultimately making the comparison between Jesus and Melchizedek. The first few verses deal with an overview of the responsibilities of a priest that he represents the people to God and God to the people. Also, that the priest should have compassion on the people because he was also a sinner, and that the priest wasn't supposed to be elected by the people but chosen by God. So, when the author quotes from the psalm, he is pointing out that God has given this honor of being high priest to Jesus, and his priesthood is eternal. It lasts forever. We will cover Melchizedek in more detail when we get to Hebrews 7. Today, as we look at Hebrews 5, 1-10, we actually need to read a few verses from Luke to help create the right context for this teaching. Luke 22, verse 40-44. When he arrived at that place, the Garden of Gethsemane, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. And being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. In Hebrews 5-7, the author says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Though the author does not explicitly reference Jesus' prayers in the garden the night before his crucifixion, most scholars believe that's what the author is referencing. He is probably not referencing the pain of the crucifixion itself, and this is important to understand. Why? Because the author has been dealing with the theme of rebellion. He has been talking about how God's people rebelled in the desert and didn't believe in God and his promises. Then in the verses we covered yesterday, we saw that Jesus was tempted just as we are, yet he did not sin. And that's part of what makes him suitable to be our high priest. What was the temptation? It was this event. Jesus praying in the garden for God to take this cup away from him. What was Jesus asking God to do? He was asking God for permission to rebel. This was clearly a very stressful event for Jesus. The mental anguish Jesus was facing during this test was incredible. 
Enough so that an angel came to minister to him, by the way, another proof that Jesus is greater than the angels, and being in enough agony to sweat drops of blood. That only happens when you're under incredible amounts of stress. Then the author goes on to say, Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered, and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Even though Jesus was God's son, he, being fully human, had to learn obedience to God's will. He had to learn that God's ways are higher than the ways of man. Did he know this? Sure, Jesus knew this. But when he was hours away from experiencing the most pain any human has ever experienced, hours away from receiving on himself the sins of all humanity for all time, hours away from experiencing the full wrath of God against those sins, well, he was having a hard time seeing how God's way was best. But he obeyed. He said, not my will, but yours be done. Three times. The same number of days he would be dead, the same number for the Trinity. He did not do what he wanted to do. He did not rebel against God's plan. Unlike the Israelites who, in the face of having to conquer giants, they could not believe that God would do what he said he would do. They could not believe that God's promises were sure. They could not believe that what God was asking them to do would actually work. But Jesus did. He For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. Jesus looked at the impossibility of what was to come and saw through the storm to God's rest on the other side. Yes, the cross would be horrendous, but what awaited Jesus and all of humanity on the other side were so much greater. And here in this one moment, we see the resolve of Jesus. After this, there's not a moment of wavering for Jesus. He does not waffle back and forth between commitment and giving up. He has decided in this moment he will endure. This moment in the garden where he suffered and through that suffering learned obedience to God's higher ways is what makes Jesus perfect to be our eternal high priest. Remember that word perfect is a nautical term. That means perfectly outfitted for the voyage. Jesus is made perfect, fully outfitted for the voyage of securing salvation for all mankind, bringing people into God's rest because he did not rebel against God's plan and promise. What does this mean for us? No matter how hard the struggle is, the reward is so much greater than we can imagine. And if we can follow Jesus' example and look beyond the suffering to the promise of God's rest— we will see what real joy is. Joy is not found when we get our own way and everything in our life lines up with what we want. Joy, real eternal joy, is found in obedience. It's in obedience that we too become outfitted for the journey of our complete, final, and ultimate salvation. Jesus became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. He is the source of eternal salvation, but only for those who obey him. 
Salvation does not come through rebellion. Salvation does not come by doing things our own way and forcing God to walk along our path. Salvation comes by obeying the Son. The same way Jesus secured our salvation is the same way we receive it. Obedience. There's no other way. There's no other path. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Follow Jesus' example no matter how hard you must struggle to do so, even if you too are in such agony over the decision that you are sweating drops of blood, say those words of Jesus, not my will, but your will be done. www.thejesushabit.com <laughs>